The gospel message this morning comes to us from the gospel of John chapter 15. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there as, uh, as we together hear the word of the Lord. We'll also be reading from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 as well in just a moment. Uh, as you're turning, I, I want to, to just offer a word of, of, of thanks uh, to you, the church. Uh, uh, we opened up Covenant uh, new faci- Covenant's new facility on Easter Sunday, and so it's been an incredible uh, few weeks in this space. Uh, I know that uh, over the course of these weeks, uh, parking has been tough on some Sundays, particularly I'm guessing based on the crowd, parking might have been tough for some of you. I'm sorry, I thank you for, uh, for enduring that, and I know that uh, also some, some seating might be an issue. Uh, in, in the fall, we will be launching a second service uh, in English, and so we want to give you that heads up that we acknowledge the capacity issues we're facing. Uh, we're working to address them, and uh, in the fall, we look forward to opening up uh, that second service, which will make more room uh, both in the parking lot and uh, in, the, in the pews. Ish, uh, chairs for all of you. Um, so uh, so uh, the gospel of John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 12 through 17. Uh, now we hear the word of the Lord. Uh, my command is this. This is from Jesus. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that is so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And then skipping over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 uh, here from the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. This is God's Word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, so we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we come before you in this space and this time thankful for your holy word, uh, for the wisdom contained therein. Lord, we thank you for, uh, for the words of your son Jesus and also the words of your apostle Paul. Lord, we ask that you would make yourself known to us in this space and this time. I thank you for it. We ask, God, that you would open our eyes, that we would see, open our ears, that we would hear. We ask, oh God, that you would open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, O God, that you would open our hands that we might offer grace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you remember the first time you ever said, I love you? 
I'm not talking about when you said it to your mama or your grandmama. I'm talking about the first time you ever said, I love you. Uh, To someone at some point in time, maybe you were in high school, maybe you were in college, maybe you were in junior high, if you were really confused. Uh, <laughs> but, but do you remember, like, like it, was, it was almost like there was an assessment that had to be made. Do I, am I ready to say this? Right? And have, do, do I believe that, that I need to say this? And so you start running through this assessment in your mind, like, like oh, uh, uh, these words, they mean something. I know they mean something. And you think about what they mean to you. You think about who you have said them to. And you think about your mom and your daddy. And you think about your grandparents. And, and, and you think, man, I, I only see grandma like three times a year. And I say I love, it, I love her, right? And, 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 and then you might even think, well, you know, I, I said I love you to my aunts and to my uncles. And, and, and uh, you know, they live in Ohio. And I see them once a year, right? And, and so if I say I love you to them, why wouldn't I say I love you to this girl who's super fine, Right? Uh, and so you're, you're thinking this through, and you're processing it, and you're building up the courage to say that I love you. But man, it takes courage, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, it's, it's one of those moments, and you could feel yourself beginning to perspire, uh, otherwise known as sweat, and, uh, and it's beating up on your forehead, and you're trying to find just the right moment. And do you say it when you're about to leave? Because then, if it gets awkward, like, it don't even matter, we're gone right? Or, or, or do you say it like in a moment that, that's, that's more tender, where, where there, there's space to actually live with the consequences of your statement? Uh, that's, if you did that, you are a different kind of animal, um, because that is a very stressful circumstance. I remember uh, one of the questions I asked myself whenever I was preparing to say I love you for the very first time uh, was what if she said nah? You know what I'm saying? Like, like if I said I love you, and she looked back at me and was like, Mm-mm. no. You know, like you're you're hoping, you're praying that she's gonna be like, oh, I love you too, and, and and like that's your that's your dream moment. But 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 what if she she literally just like was silent? Stone cold. Mm. What if she gave you okay? Like if you said I love you and she's like, all right. That would be devastating. It, 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 would, it, would, it would be so painful. And so you build yourself up thinking about this. And, and, and it's because when we're assessing what love means, uh, we intuitively and maybe through experience understand that there's something pretty deep there. And, and, and we don't quite fully understand it until we've actually engaged in a relationship of love that true. For some of that, the first time you've experienced it was with your spouse. For others of you, uh, you, you might have have realized or recognized its potency uh, in, in your family relationships, your, fa- your, 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 your parents, or, or maybe for some of you, you didn't like quite grasp it until you had kids and you could feel that sort of unconditional drive to love. And I think it's important for us to tap into those questions. What, what does it mean to, to unconditionally love, you know, if, if, if I would have said, I love you to this girl, and, and, and she would have said, okay, or stone cold, or nah, then would I have 
still loved her? Like, I think that that's, that's the question we have to ask, and that's probably at the, at the, core, the core of the issue. Would the other person, does their response change our experience or feeling or conviction? Or is our conviction absolutely, deeply, 100% rooted in our own soul? I think that that's an important question for to ask. Today, today we're, we're learning what it means uh, to, to love Jesus and to be in a relationship with Jesus and to say to Jesus, I love you. I love you. And to do it in such a way that, that, that comes uh, in a response to the way that Jesus loves us. Because it's not just about how, how we love Jesus. It, it starts with how does Jesus love us. And see, here's the, here's the truth of the matter. You and I have heard Jesus say, I love you, over and over and over again. And how many times have you and I looked at Jesus and said, no. Have we heard Jesus say, I love you, and we've looked back and said, hmm. And we're just ambivalent, cold, unresponsive. And Jesus continues coming back each and every time, unfaltering in his response, saying yet again and again and again, I love you. What power is there in Jesus' love? So when we're asked the question, do we love Jesus, it starts from this modeling that Jesus has for us. And, and it's pretty clear in the Gospel of John, I, there's, there's a whole lot uh, in, in a couple of verses that, that I want to, uh, to, to really synthesize down for us. And in verse 12 and 13, we hear this. It says, my command, Jesus' command to us is love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends, and then in the beginning of 15, you are my friends. And so I want you to hear those verses, and it talks a lot about what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, but I want you to just hear Jesus' side of that first. I want you to hear how Jesus articulates his love for you and for me, for his disciples, for all those that will choose to follow him. I want you to hear how he offers that to us. Jesus says unequivocally, I love you. I love you. I lay my life down for you. I give it up freely. Then he said he says something very interesting. He says, "You are my friends. You're 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 in a beloved relationship with me. You are my friends." He says, "I love you. I lay my life down for you, and you." are my friends. His love and unconditional, unwavering love that is always present for you and for me. And then I lay my life down for you. I think that's a, a really important space for us to pause. Jesus says, I lay my life down for you. And if we're going to hear that from Jesus, then we have to start with the, the initial question, which is what are you laying your life down for? 
right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we see in the movies uh, those moments where the superhero, like, sees the, the person that's about to get hit by a bus, right? And they run out and they push the bus, they, they push the person out of the way, and then they take the full brunt of the bus. You know the scenes I'm talking about, right? It's in lots of movies. I don't have to name them because you know what I'm talking about. And then the bus hits the superhero and the bus crumbles because the superhero's like, yeah. Um, but, uh, right? Would there be a need for the superhero to push the person out of the way if it was not for the bus? Of course not. Can you imagine if you saw that scene in the movie? If a person, if a superhero just rushed out and pushed a person down and there was no bus? That's called bullying, right? Uh, we don't do that. We don't, we don't just push people down because of nothing. We push people out of the way in order to save them from something, right? And so whenever we, whenever we hear Jesus say, I lay my life down for you, what is he laying his life down for? What is he laying his life down for? I'm, I've been always fascinated uh, with secret service agents. You know what I'm talking about? The ones particularly, like, like uh, I mean, like... It, it, protecting the, the, like, former presidents and the daughters of the president and the sons of the president, like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'm talking about the one that, like, is on the, the presidential duty, like the eagle duty, you know what I'm talking about? You remember in, in, in 81, okay, so that's half of you, because half of you weren't born yet in 81. I, I, was, I was always fascinated by the role of Secret Service, but in 1981, there was a Secret Service agent that literally took a bullet for the president. Tim McCarthy, he... he he heard the gunfire coming at President Reagan as President Reagan was walking towards his car. And, 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 and if you've never seen the clip, YouTube it. That's for all of you who were not around in 81. YouTube it and, and watch because literally the gun starts firing and, and Tim opens his body up like this. Like, I don't know where the bullets are coming, but give me one of them so that the president doesn't take it. Wow. Take a bullet for someone to, to, to really put their life literally in between the danger and the one that is getting protection from that danger. I think that's the kind of thing we need to imagine when we imagine that Jesus is looking at us and saying, Jesus is saying, I love you. I love you. And I lay my life down for you. I offer my life for you, what, what he's saying is, I'm putting myself between you and the danger that is threatening you. And I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to take it all. Paul, Paul accounts for it in 1 Corinthians uh, in the words that we read uh, at the very beginning uh, of that section. Uh, Paul says this. He says, uh, this is of first importance. He didn't say this is of second importance or of third importance. He didn't say this is like well down that list. He's talking about everything that he ever taught the church of Corinthians. Like this church uh, had an experience of Paul's ministry for many months. And, th and, and Paul sat with them and taught them and dwelled with them. And he taught them so many different things. And so then he comes back to them in a letter and he says, remember the gospel I gave you. Remember everything I told you. Put it all together and, and put it in one place. And I want you to remember the most important thing I ever said to you. Summary moment, thesis statement, boom, right? This is how you get a good grade on the writing star test. Be sure that you have this statement, right? He says, this is of first importance. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our 
sins. So we hear Jesus loves us. We hear that Jesus laid his life down for us. He laid his life down for our sins. Because the penalty of sin is death. What we deserve on our own is death. And yet Jesus says, I take that from you. I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't need to let you die. I will step forward and take death on for you. Now, I want to be sure we're really clear on this because we, find, we tend to be, uh, as Christians, uh, Easter people. Amen? Like, we love Easter, right? Uh, not just the bunnies and the eggs, but we love Easter. We all come to worship on Easter. Uh, even the Christers come to worship on Easter. Everybody comes to worship on Easter. Christers, Christmas and Easter. Everybody comes to worship on Easter, right? We love Easter. We're resurrection people. We're resurrection people, and that paints a picture of Jesus in one way. And, and we catch that piece that says that Jesus is divine. Jesus is fully God. Death cannot defeat God, right? Rising from the dead, possible, because Jesus is fully divine. But we, we, we got we to gotta live in Good Friday a little bit too, brothers and sisters. We got to live in the fact that Jesus died. Jesus did die. He's not only fully divine, he's also fully human, which allows him, God's only son, to take our death for us. So when Jesus says, I lay my life down for you, he says, I'm taking on your sin. I'm taking it to the cross. I'm going to be buried with it because I love you. Jesus says, I love you. He says, I lay my life down for you. And then finally, he comes forward and he says, I call you my friends. You are a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. How powerful is that? And I don't want you to just think about like some, some like kind of friend. Some, some kind of acquaintance that, that you generally call friend, I want you to think about that one friend or maybe two friends that you like tell everything to, right? You have held no secret back from them. You have offered your whole self, and you know that as jacked up as you are and as messed up as you are and as much as they know about you, you still are loved by them, and you can count on them, and you can rely on them. They're the ones that show up when no one else shows up, that stand by you when no one else stands by you. I want you to think of that kind of friend and magnify it times 10, and that's the kind of friend that Jesus says you are for him. He says, I've offered everything to you. I've given you all my wisdom, all my knowledge. I've poured out my life for you. And now I call you friend because, because that's the kind of relationship we're in. That's the kind of love that we share. In, and I want you to experience that in me. This is the kind of love that Jesus has for you. And so there are two invitations that come with that. Two invitations. The first is to accept the love of Christ. No matter, no matter 
what your response was yesterday or earlier this morning or what your response was last week or what your response was last year or what your response was when you were a, 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 a kid uh, in your parents' household. No matter what your response was before, today there's an opportunity again or for the first time to say, Jesus, I'm ready to accept your love. You love me and I, and I receive that love. I am testifying that I love you as well. And then the second response is this, and it's the response that Jesus actually invites his disciples to at the end of the passage that we read. Jesus says, I love you, I lay my life down for you, you are my friend. And then he says, if you love me, if, you, if you're ready to take that step, if you're ready to offer yourself uh, to me, here's what I want from you. I want you to love each other. So it's not just about receiving love or saying I love Jesus back, but it's about looking to your left and your right, the person in front of you, the person behind you, and say, I have the capacity and the call of Christ on my life to love these as well. To live a life filled with love. What a gift that is. That we come this morning knowing that we have 10 confirmands that are, that are prepared to come forward and say, Jesus, I love you. But the invitation isn't just theirs today. It's not just for these 10, but it's also for you and for me for the first time or for the hundredth time to say to Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. I give my life for you. That is your invitation and mine. Let's respond in prayer. Gracious God, we come before you and we are so uh, overwhelmed by your love and the gift that it is. Lord, we, we, we celebrate it and we ask God that you would uh, profoundly move in this space and this time uh, to meet with us as, uh, as we offer ourselves to you. We ask, oh God, that you would Pour out your spirit on this time and this offering of love. And we thank you, God, for, uh, for the work you're doing uh, in us and through us in, the, uh, in our midst. Uh, Lord, we thank you that, that you say you love us no matter what. Even when we, uh, even when we reject you, deny you, uh, fall short of that high holy calling that you have for us. And so, God, we ask that you would forgive us. Forgive us of our sin. And we thank you that, that, that you took on our death, death on a cross, and made us alive again with you. Lord, we ask that as we continue in worship and we pour out uh, a portion of what you have given us to the kingdom building work of your church, Lord, we ask God that you have blessed this time, this offering, uh, that you would bless both the gift and the giver alike, that all that's done in this time would be to your glory, honor, and praise. We pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.